Welcome to the Art of Alignment, a place where you'll learn how to nourish your body, mind, and spirit so that you can start living the life you were meant to. My name is Hannah Loftus, certified holistic health coach and yoga teacher who's here to help you go from stuck and burnt out to nourished and thriving. I've dedicated my life to this idea of living in alignment, which to me just means creating a life that feels really good and letting go of anything that doesn't. So whether you feel out of balance in your body, stressed out in your mind, or just feel a little bit lost, I've been there and you've made it to the right place. Stick with me to learn practical wellness rituals that will up-level your health and happiness and help you step into the most aligned version of yourself. I'm so happy you found your way here. Now let's dive in. Hello and welcome to The Art of Alignment. My name is Hannah Loftus, certified holistic nutrition coach, yoga teacher, full-time nomad. And today, this morning, I'm joining you from beautiful Hawaii. I'm currently watching the sunrise. We get up early around here because my partner works on central time, which was an adjustment, but the plus side is that I get to get up with the sun. The sky is super pink and blue like cotton candy. And I'm just feeling really grateful that we have the opportunity to travel and see all these beautiful places. For those of you that don't know, about two years ago, my partner and I decided to leave our hometown of Chicago and fulfill our dream of traveling. We have the privilege of being able to do our work remotely. And it started out as a six-month endeavor, but turned into two years and counting. So here we are two years later, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel just so, so grateful. I think health and wellness and feeling good is just as much about nourishing your mind and your soul as it is nourishing your body and staring at the sunset, reflecting on the past couple of years. I truly feel like my soul is full and nourished and certainly isn't always glamorous, um, but it is a beautiful ride. So for this episode, we're talking about how I healed my relationship to food, aka how I let go of binge eating and stress eating and reached my goals from a place of love and empowerment rather than shame and punishment and guilt and harsh discipline and all these energies I was operating from for so many years. If you're somebody that emotionally eats or you are good for a while and then you totally fall off the wagon and you're living in like these extremes, or if you're just somebody who is feeling like you have a negative relationship to food, you're definitely going to find some value in this episode. I just want you to know I've experienced all of these things. I know what it feels like to feel consumed and trapped by food and feel the guilt anytime I would eat a food that wasn't healthy. And I know what it feels like to just say fuck it and spiral into a complete binge for days or weeks or however long. So if that's you, I see you and there is a way out of this. And I'm going to give you the tips that I used to completely let go of my binge eating and stress eating no gatekeeping. This is the exact process I went through to get where I am now. So let's talk about binge eating. My binge eating started probably in college when I was first exposed to diet culture. And diet culture is subtle. Sometimes it's pretty direct, you know, with like weight loss ads and magazines and stuff and influencers. But 
I think for me, it was more subtle. It was like what my friends were doing. My friends were doing like these juice cleanses before they're formal with this frat so they could like drop five pounds. And I was like, oh, that's new. Like, is that something I should be doing? You know, and girls would be doing so much cardio because it burns more calories. But I always really liked weightlifting more than cardio, but well, that's what they were doing. That's what the pretty sorority girls were doing. So maybe that's what I should be doing too. Kayla, it's signs or it's Sinus. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but that was like all the rage in college, everybody was doing the Kayla It Signs workouts, which were just like soul crushing. So I thought that's what I should do. And all these kind of subliminal messages of going to uncomfortable measures to be skinnier. No focus on being strong, being fueled, being like just healthy and happy. It's what can I do to be as thin as possible? Of course, again, this wasn't like conscious. People weren't saying this out loud, it was it was subliminal, it was subconscious, it was indirect, very subtle. From that point onward, I had really unstable weight. I would gain the same 20 pounds, lose the same 20 pounds over and over and over again. And I never knew why, because I didn't really notice the weight was there until it was there. Anyone who has gained weight knows that. It's not until you see a photo or you notice your clothes don't fit that you notice that the weight is on. And then you don't really know why. Same goes for when the weight was off. I didn't really notice until I noticed my clothes were looser. And I was like, what am I doing? And I would make these false associations. I would say, maybe it's because I'm vegetarian. Like I I went vegetarian and then I lost, and then now I'm a little bit thinner. So maybe it's that when it really, it wasn't that at all. Or maybe it's because I switched to no cream in my coffee and now I have to never have cream in my coffee. So most of the influences of my binge eating were not like malicious or intended. It was just my brain's way of making false associations about what it means to be healthy. Oh, she's doing that. So that's what I need to do. Or, oh, I just lost weight. And this is the change I made three months ago. So it must be this. Or conversely, this, I just gained weight. Maybe it's because I started having that new Starbucks drink. And it's like, none of this is correct. You know, so um, that's why I think there's so much value in getting the right support and hiring a coach. I mean, it was the best investment I ever made in myself. So we make these false associations. We have these influences from diet culture. And here we are. And back when I was struggling with binge eating, like I didn't call it binge eating. I knew I had a problem, but I think that there's so much shame around binge eating. People associate it with binge eating disorder. And it's the truth is that binge eating is a spectrum. And a lot of people are on that spectrum. Even healthy people are on that spectrum. People, sometimes people overeat. It's common. It happens. It's actually very much accepted. But for some reason, when we say I have a binge eating issue, there's like some shame there. And my mission is to dissolve that shame. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a very common response to many different things, namely diet culture, trauma, stress, things like that. But binge eating is very common and it's nothing to be ashamed of. So in order to understand binge eating, it's important to understand the binge and restrict cycle, which goes a little something like this. You learn that these foods are good and these foods are bad. These foods are not healthy, not good for you. They should be avoided. Carbs, sugar, processed foods, whatever it is. 
then when you eat those foods, you feel bad and you feel shameful. Oh no, what have I done? I've ruined my progress. I'm going to gain weight. All these fearful, guilty, shameful thoughts set in. So you make a resolve. You say, starting tomorrow, no more carbs, no more sugar, no more processed foods. I'm working out five days a week. Like you set up all these rules because you want to offset the guilt, right? It's a very human thing to take action when we feel guilty. But the trouble is, as soon as you restrict all of those things, your desire for them increases. So now you feel deprived. You might be going strong for a couple of days, maybe even weeks. You are eating clean, you eat very low carb or whatever, you've been intermittent fasting, whatever it is. I've tried them all, I've done it all. But ultimately, a point comes when you feel deprived and you just want to throw in the towel and say, fuck it. And so you have a cookie. It's just one cookie, it's not a big deal. But then that cookie, turns into three or five cookies. And then you have this, ah, fuck it. I'm already here. Might as well keep going moment. And you maybe say that this is a cheat day. This is going to be my cheat day. So those five cookies turn into five cookies and a pizza and a bottle of wine and some ice cream. And then later on, it's takeout and French fries and it just turns into this whole day, maybe multiple days, maybe a week of compulsive eating. And then the shame comes in. Oh, what have I done? I shouldn't have done this. Now I'm back at square one. Now I have to start over. I need more discipline. I need more willpower. Starting tomorrow, I'm doing this and it repeats. I hope a light bulb is going off for some of you because when I first learned about the binge and restrict cycle, I was like, holy shit, this is my life. Sometimes I'm able to be really good, quote unquote, for weeks. But ultimately, there's always a moment where I say, fuck it, and I just spiral. Usually it's the weekends, but sometimes I would even be able to push through the weekends. But without a doubt, eventually would come the day when I say, fuck it. I've been good. I deserve this and just totally throw everything out the window. I'm having a cheat day. I'll start again after Christmas or I'll start again on Monday. Sound familiar? The truth is being in this cycle got me absolutely nowhere with my health, with the goals that I had, with feeling lean and strong. That's all I ever wanted was to feel lean and strong. I didn't and don't care to be super skinny. Like I just wanted to feel healthy and strong in my body. But for some reason, it was always so hard to maintain. And this is why. Because I was stuck in the binge and restrict cycle for so many years that I would restrict maybe sometimes long enough to actually see a result. But I couldn't sustain it. I couldn't maintain that that way of eating or that way of living. And so If you are experiencing the same thing, maybe you've also had weight instability and you also just want to feel healthy and strong and be able to sustain it and it not take up your entire fucking life, then I'm going to share with you right now the three things that I did to escape the binge and restrict cycle. To let go of binge eating for good, to let go of stress eating and emotional eating and reach my goals from a place of complete love and empowerment rather than punishment, guilt, shame harshness, none of that, because none of that shit works. 
You cannot hate yourself into a body that you love. You just can't. Like, just, just trust me on this one. So step number one to healing my relationship with food and letting go of binge eating was language. I stopped using bad terms to describe certain foods. For example, that's bad for you. That's crap. That's junk. That's toxic. None of these were things I was ever saying like out loud. It was just things I was thinking like that's a processed toxic food, even processed, even though it's like a neutral, like it's the truth that certain foods are highly processed. Their association is that processed foods are poisonous or something. So I had to get rid of all of that. I no longer say that something is unhealthy or bad for me or junk food or crap. I also don't use like cheat day terminology anymore. Like, oh, I'm cheating with this cupcake or I, I've been good. I deserve this. This like punishment reward system also has nuances of good versus bad narrative. All of it has to go. Listen, it is true that certain foods are more supportive to our body than others, but there is literally no reason to use this good versus bad language around it. In fact, doing so just perpetuates food guilt and makes your binge eating worse. Binge eating starts from guilt and guilt starts from this language that we're using around food. What I invite you to do is instead use neutral terms to describe all foods. For example, let's say it's a bag of Cheetos. You might say, I love Cheetos. I love the way they taste. If I eat too many, I don't really digest them very well. That's something neutral you could say instead of like, that's crap. You could use the actual qualities of the food to describe it. So crunchy, salty, sweet, but no more of this junk food, crap food, processed toxic, whatever, like all of it, just, just get it out of your vernacular. Every time you catch yourself having a thought that something is bad for you or bad or whatever, just replace it with something neutral. This food is crunchy. This food is salty. This food is sweet. This truly is the first step to healing your relationship with food and getting out of this cycle of restriction because it starts to remove the guilt around certain foods. So that's step number one, language. Step number two, you're not going to like, but it is critical to letting go of binge and stress eating so that you can reach your goals. Step number two is letting go of all food rules. Food rules are things like no refined carbs, no sugar, no processed foods, no eating after seven, no pizza except on the weekends. If you are somebody that struggles with binge eating, all of this has to go. And I know that that feels super scary. I know that you're thinking, if I let go of all my food rules, I'm just going to binge on everything and I'm never going to be able to stop eating. But I want you to know that that's absolutely not going to be the case. Binge eating does not happen without its predecessor, restriction. The only reason you are binging is because you are restricting yourself with all these rules. Binge eating doesn't happen without restriction. And food rules equal restriction. This doesn't mean you just disregard nutrition and eat a whole box of donuts. Step number three is going to talk about this a little more, but like 
The paradox of binge eating is that in order to feel more in control around food, you actually have to have less control around food. That that paradox is in a lot of things, like even in relationships. Like if you try to control your partner, you actually push them away. If you try to control every little thing in your life, you actually get stuck. So letting go of food rules is actually the most important part of this process. And you can do it slowly. You don't have to like do it all at once. But if you have these like strict weekend rules about what you're allowed to eat on the weekends versus during the week, I know that's how I was. Like I would never eat pizza just like on a random Tuesday just because I wanted it. But then I found myself eating 12 pieces of pizza on Saturday. So like what's what's happening here, right? What's better? Allowing yourself to have one or two slices of pizza on Tuesday and then the desire to binge on it goes away or depriving yourself of pizza when you want it and then having the urge to binge on it and eat an entire family-sized pizza to yourself. That's, that's binge eating. That's what's happening here. So you can start small with pick one food that maybe is something that you previously told yourself you're not allowed to have. Maybe it's ice cream, something that feels like a stretch outside of your safety or rule zone. And just allow yourself to have it in the fridge. And when you want the ice cream, have it. Have it and eat it mindfully and eat it with full presence. Notice when your emotional satisfaction is reached and then let it go. No guilty thoughts, no guilt necessary, just move on. So letting go of food rules. If you struggle with binge eating and particularly emotional binge eating, then number three is gonna be really essential to ensure that you are keeping your health top of mind, which is to follow your hunger cues. Let's talk about hunger cues. We all have them. We've all felt what it's like to be hungry and we all know what it feels like to be full. None of us have this ability better than others. Like we are born with this innate ability to eat when we're hungry and stop when we're full. But somewhere along the way, we started getting disconnected from it whether it was our parents telling us to finish our plate because you don't do food waste in your house or you're intermittent fasting. So you're ignoring those hunger cues, which is why I'm not a huge fan of intermittent fasting. I don't like anything that takes you away from your body's ability to tell you what it needs and putting your power in something external. Your body knows, your body knows what to do, when to eat and when to tell you to stop, just like it knows how to breathe, how to digest how to reproduce cells. There's so much going on in the body that we don't have to tell it to do. And so if we can just get back to this, we will solve 90% of the problem. And then, yeah, maybe we add some nutritional wisdom to fully optimize our energy levels, our hormones, et cetera. But just simply following your hunger cues is really such a simple but profound way to ensure that you are always at a healthy, strong weight. So following your hunger cues also means that you have to get things like emotional eating, bored eating, pleasure eating into check. A lot of our society and culture revolves around pleasure eating. We, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not suggesting that you get rid of that. I'm just suggesting that you become more mindful about it. For me, I used to be a huge foodie and every social interaction had to revolve around trying a new restaurant and going to brunch and going to dinner. Now that I don't do those things, I realize how unnecessary it was. And I still love to try new cuisines and 
different cultures way of eating. And, and that is a form of emotional eating. But the main reason I eat is for hunger. So if you feel like you emotionally eat a lot, you're going to have to develop some new coping tools to deal with whatever intense emotions are triggering the emotional eating. For example, stress. When I was in my corporate job, I was experiencing high levels of stress and burnout and was using food to cope. Stress eating and binge eating are not the same, by the way. They are closely related. You can stress eat without binge eating and you can binge eat without stress eating and you can binge and stress eat. So just know that they are very closely related, but they are not necessarily the same. So I used to use food to cope with stress very, very, very heavily. And I'm going to be honest, getting out of that is uncomfortable. But the first step is understanding the triggers for the stress eating. For me, it was work. It was a long day. It was when I had a 12 hour work day and I was just like, oh, I need Thai food to like take a load off. So first understanding what the triggers are. I've had clients say, you know, like after their therapy sessions, they feel super anxious just because a lot came up and then they find themselves like in the pantry, you know, just compulsively eating, really just looking at that and saying, okay, this is the trigger. So after therapy, we're going to have some different tools that you can use to relieve some of that high energy. And so now instead of going to the pantry, she goes down to her gym and lifts some weights. And that is actually a more effective way to release anxiety. It actually works because eating to cope with stress is kind of like a band-aid. Like it feels really good in the moment, but it's actually not doing anything to regulate your nervous system and relieve the stress and certainly not doing anything to prevent the stress. It might even be adding more stress because you have this like binge eating guilt mentality. So it's, it's not an effective coping tool to deal with intense emotions. It's just not. So more effective tools to deal with intense emotions might be obviously moving your body in any way is literally moving the anxious energy out of your system. So yoga, going for a walk, going for a run, lifting weights, like movement does not have to be this means of burning calories, separate tabled topic for another episode, but moving can be your form of stress relief. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes even. It can be 10. It can be 10 minutes of shaking or going for a walk around the block and just leaving your phone at home or putting it on do not disturb. That's one way to relieve stress, to effectively cope with stress. Another is obviously meditation, breath work. I love alternate nostril breathing for me is the practice that I've replaced emotional eating with. So whenever I'm feeling just really intense emotions or I've had a really, really long, stressful day, I will just do literally five rounds of alternate nostril breathing. So that means inhaling through your left nostril, closing your right, and then exhaling through your right, closing your left, et cetera. You can Google it, alternate nostril breathing. That to me feels like an absolute, it's like a massage to my nervous system. I feel immediate relief. It's actually doing something for the anxiety, for the stress. And I was able to replace this habit that I had within honestly like a couple weeks. It's uncomfortable at first. And at first, like nothing is going to feel as good as a box of cookies because it's just so highly palatable and it does kind of take away the stress for a second. But now I've kind of broken that mental association of like stress and food. Whenever I feel triggered or stressed or anxious, my brain goes to breathing, walking, or meditating. So I invite you, if you are an emotional eater, to make a list of 
self-soothing tools that you could use in place of food for when the emotional big feels come in. It can be drawing. It can be lighting a candle. It can be smelling essential oils. It can be taking a shower. Like just things that make that you know make you feel grounded. It can be sitting in the grass. That's the one I love. If it, if the weather calls for it, I just like put my feet in the grass. There's some yoga poses you can do. Seated forward fold is great to ground. Legs up the wall is great. So just take out your notes app and your phone and make a list of things that make you feel grounded. Make your nervous system feel good. And if you don't know what makes you feel calm and grounded, start with alternate nostril breathing or box breathing is great and a walk and put your phone on do not disturb. Okay, that's on emotional eating. That's a little sub pocket of number three, which is listening to your hunger cues. Listening to your hunger cues means that we eat when we're hungry and we stop when we're full. And if you're always following those cues, you can honestly eat whatever you want. And trust that you're not just going to want to eat a whole box of donuts. In fact, if you do have that desire, it's likely emotional rather than physical hunger. When you're hungry, truly hungry, you're going to want a balanced meal. You're going to want protein, carbs, and fat. That's the natural tendency. So if you notice that you're wanting, you know, family-sized bag of potato chips, like check in and ask yourself, is this real hunger? Is this what I really want? Or is this emotional? Is there something else going on here? Because my, I would bet that it is absolutely not what your body really wants if it's really hungry. That being said, even if you do, you have a binging session because newsflash, you will. This is not an overnight process and you will binge again. It is so critical that you do not engage in guilty thoughts about it. It's okay if thoughts of guilt come into your awareness because we can't control the thoughts that come into our consciousness, but we can control the thoughts that we latch onto. So if you have a thought of like, oh no, I shouldn't have done this, quickly stop the thought in its tracks if you can and say, nope, I overate today and that's okay. I can choose differently at the next meal. Something neutral, it doesn't have to be that statement, but that statement really worked with me, for me. I would always say, and still do if I ever overeat, it's okay. I overeat sometimes. I can choose differently at the next meal. I choose to let this go. Those are the three statements I used and you can alter them however you want to make it feel good to you. But just remind yourself that sometimes I overeat and that's okay. My body knows what to do. Remind yourself that you can always choose differently at the next meal. Even if you have to repeat it a million times, even if the thoughts are coming, bombarding you, just repeat I choose to let this go and move on. I'm choosing to move on. I'm choosing to let this go. And over time, the guilty thoughts will go away. And so too will the binging, especially if you incorporate step two, letting go of food rules, and step three, which is honoring your hunger cues. Engaging in guilty thoughts is doing nothing for you as far as getting to your goals. I'm not just saying like, reach your goals from a place of love and empowerment because I'm like a softy woo-woo chick, even though I totally am. I'm actually telling you this because it doesn't get you anywhere. It keeps you stuck. We aren't motivated to change from a place of guilt or shame. In fact, we're only motivated to engage in like self-sabotaging tendencies when we have this guilty, shameful inner dialogue. You have to clean up your inner dialogue if you want to achieve true, radiant health and strength and feel good in your body and heal your relationship with food. It just, it doesn't happen from a place of shame or punishment or guilt. No change does. 
you cannot punish yourself into becoming the best version of yourself. And trust me, like I tried, I had all these big goals and visions for so many years that just like never could come true. And it's because I was mean to myself. As soon as I decided I am no longer engaging in harmful thoughts about myself, my self-esteem, my body, my intelligence, I'm no longer engaging in self-deprecation out of humor. I am no longer being a bully to myself. Starting today, I do not tolerate it. I've tried everything. Now I'm going to try coming from a place of love rather than a place of shame. And and I'm just going to see what happens. And here I am two years later, living my dream, completely 180'd my career, finally achieved the health that I was chasing for years. I've never felt stronger. I've never felt more mentally at peace. I've never accomplished so much and been more productive in my life than I have when I started operating from a place of self-love. So please, if you take anything from this episode, it's to clean up your inner dialogue. Start watching the voices that go back and forth in your head. And if you catch your inner bully running the show, kindly ask them to take a seat and let them know that the voice of love is now going to take over. I know that might be a little deep, but that's the vibe around here. I don't do surface level shit. I'm a data-driven, results-oriented type of coach, but I also realize that we need this element of self-love, self-empowerment, self-esteem. We need the yin and the yang, and I'm here to give you both. So with that, I hope this episode has been helpful. I'm telling you, I am not gatekeeping here, and this is truly the exact step-by-step process I use to escape the binge and restrict cycle. If you follow these steps, I can pretty much promise you that your binge eating is going to disappear. I know it's not always easy and it definitely helps to have a guide if you feel like you can't navigate this alone. If that's you, please feel free to reach out to me at the link in the show notes to learn more about private coaching. Coaching was the best decision I ever made in myself. It was the ignition point for so much of my transformation. I hire coaches for every area of my life that I'm not an expert at, business, finances, etc. So yeah, you deserve it. You deserve to invest in yourself. If you thrive on accountability, then you're definitely going to feel value from my program. My four-month private coaching program is designed to help you heal your relationship with food, let go of binge eating, stress eating, emotional eating. And then after laying that foundation, we get into body recomposition, data-driven, evidence-based nutrition methods that will help you achieve whatever body composition goals you have. If you're interested in learning more, please visit the link below and we can determine if it's a good fit. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.